0: Okay, good morning. Uh, let's, uh, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you will uh, speak into our hearts today. Uh, Father, I just in, uh, I invite you to, to just empty me and speak through me, and and, and uh, we need you in this place to speak uh, your message into us today, and we ask this in, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Uh, so if you uh, have your Bibles today, I'm going to be in John. If you don't, that's okay. Nobody expected you to walk into this place as a Bible scholar, no one expected you to walk in here uh, with all your stuff together. Uh, we ask one thing out of you, that you would walk in with an open mind and an open heart, not judging others. And, uh, and then we'll all be in the same boat of people who need a Savior, okay? So that will be our common bond today. I want to give you a word today. I do have something for you uh, out of the word That is that is for you for your for your benefit and for your growth, but also something that is a word of warning, a trap that many have fallen into. And I will uh, I will start with a story uh, before we get into uh, the Bible. Now today we're in the book of John. Okay, the Bible is a library of sixty six books, thirty nine Old Testament books are. Uh, the story of God creating the world, choosing people, promising that a Messiah will come through these people. The next twenty seven books are the New Testament where that Messiah who we call Jesus is his name is Yeshua uh, in in Hebrew four languages later we get jesus okay uh, so that is when he comes. And the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are firsthand surveys or eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. We're gonna read from John who walked with Jesus. And so he tells these things out of experience, hey, I was there when this happened. So I wanna read out of John chapter three, uh, but I wanna tell you a story first. And I want you to take notes, not just on the story, but all of today. I want you to go and fact check me. I want you to go read these things for uh, yourself, okay? Okay. we are in Texas, one of the 50 states that are the United States. And uh, so many of you were, were forced to learn our history. And I say forced because um, you, you did whether you wanted to or not, right? So you've heard of the things that I'm talking about uh, we, we founded Jamestown in around 1610, somewhere in there, and about 10 years later, a boat comes over, you've heard of it before, called the Mayflower. Now when these folks get off of the Mayflower on what was a horrific journey to get here, uh, they get off and they begin to uh, found places. Now, back up. Who were the people who came on these boats? Many were just the adventurous type, but many, if not most, were those who were being oppressed by their government's hand over religion. And they were coming here for religious freedom. And so, as they came, keep this in mind, they came for religious freedom. Now, Uh, The Mayflower gets here in, I believe, 1620, and they begin to spread out not so far, okay? They're not exactly spreading out far because there are going to be natives there, uh, some of who are going to be cool with their arrival and try to profit off of it, and some who will try to murder them. So they kind of stick together. A few places rise up quickly. Jamestown comes up quickly. Uh, Boston comes up quickly. A little place called Salem comes up quickly. And about 70 years after the Mayflower lands, Salem is in mass hysteria because there are a couple and by I, I, not, not a couple, there are four teenage girls and one judge who will destroy thousands of lives. Why? I'm going to tell you that if you know the history of Salem, it was inevitable that this is going to happen. See, Salem was founded by Puritans. You probably don't know any Puritans today, but Puritans were a highly religious people, highly religious people. And they moved here for religious freedom, but when they came here, they denied any religious freedom. And so they're going to set laws that no one can live up to. And if you will look through history, you will notice that highly religious people often create the worst environments. Now, hold on before you throw anything at me. Let me tell you that you were shunned if you wore bright colors, the women were not allowed out unless their dresses touched the ground. This is not like modern day uh, anything that we know about. This, This is not just you can't show below the ankle. Your dress had to touch the ground. We have many cases. One, a man was on a ship, went to England and back, and when he came home, he saw his wife after being gone for probably about a year, and he kissed her in public, and both of them were put in stocks in the city square. In other words, took two boards, cut out two little holes and one bigger hole, arms through, head through, shut the boards, nail them together, and you stay there in the city square so that people can throw rotten fruit at you and such. For kissing his wife in public. And this is what the people who came here for religious freedom came up with. They were so much worse than what they had left. Why? I'm going to tell you that it's a lot easier to do than you would think. And so as they get very religious, they did exactly what we see in our Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, there's a book that you've never heard of that ruled the people. It's called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah was actually an addition to the first five books in the Bible, which are God's law. But the mission is they wrote extra laws on top of their laws. Because in a highly religious society, how do you get ahead? Well, there's two ways to get above people. By raising yourself or by lowering others, right? You went to high school. You know this. So I can create more religious laws. And then I condemn people for not following them. And that's how I get ahead. And it's exactly what the Puritans were doing. They were making more laws and more laws and more suggestions. And this is how you get to be better than one another. But with this, you start to veer away from the Word of God. And so when some little girls come forward saying that they are being haunted by someone's specter, things get wild. Now, what is a specter, you might ask? You would say ghost. But a Puritan judge hears this, and so he brings in the law something called spectral evidence. And so they begin to accuse people of being witches. And as these people came in to be tried, now under Puritan law, you are guilty until proven innocent, and also you are not able to defend yourself. Period. Period. So people come in, being accused, not able to defend themselves, and they're being accused of being a witch. So the little girls would contort and say that the people were torturing them, and the judge would say, oh, look how you're torturing these people. Off with them. And they would say, do you confess to being a witch? And if you said yes, you could go to prison, and because you had confessed your sin of being a witch, you were allowed to live. If you said no, they would take you and torture you, until you confess to being a witch. And if you didn't, they would hang you. Now this is better than Scotland and many other countries where they burned thousands for being a witch. In Salem, they would actually just hang you. So all in all, in the time period that this took, let me get this right, over 175 people were accused of being a witch. 54 confessed to being a witch to save their own lives. 19 would not confess and were executed, and one man died during the torture to try to get him to confess. And you're like, well, 175, I've heard of the Salem witchcraft trials, but that's not that many people. There were only 2,000 people in Salem. Religion that gets away from God can hurt and normally does I mean, boy, can we go through history. Spanish Inquisition, Papal Authority, Crusades, Salem. And there is a warning. But if you stick to the peaceful teachings of Jesus, okay? Lots of atrocities in this world have been done in the name of Jesus. But let me propose this to you. None of those were following the teachings of Jesus, Okay? They were not following his teachings. So, when asked by a highly religious group of people, which commandments Jesus should I follow, he said, This is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if there is something religious or superstitious that you find yourself a part of, and it deters you from loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, or loving your neighbor as yourself, it probably ain't from Jesus. Well, but pastor, you don't understand there's judgment. From Jesus! And you ain't him. Okay? Well, there's got to be rules. There's got to be absolutely. And take those from him. When somebody begins to teach something else, run. A judge. And an entire city get behind this. And nobody wants to go against God. So they go with the Salem witchcraft trials. It was horrible. It was godless done in the name of God. A religion can lead you farther from God than just about anything else. Now, I am a religious person. Christianity is my religion. I believe in God with all my heart. I've been extremely vocal. Today marks eight years since I moved to Ranger. Okay? Thank you. Today marks eight eight years. And I have been vocal the entire time that it was very difficult for me to believe in the existence of a God. I've been extremely open with you about that. But it is that gift that God gave me that has kept me tied to him instead of a religion. Because I've always had to know him and who he is. I don't care what somebody else said about it. And so if your doctrine of the Bible comes from something that someone told you, if your view on religion, many of of us, let's just say as a county, not even in this place, are extremely opinionated about the end times and you've never read Daniel, you've never read Revelation. You have no right to be opinionated. I don't mean that tacky. I'm, I want to build you in this. Many of us are extremely opinionated about things that we just really don't know about because we have not heard it from the Lord. This is what pushes so many to be an atheist. You've been through Salem lately? Still not very big. Now the ones that began secularly, Boston, New York, you heard of those, haven't you? But nobody's visited Jamestown. (laughs) Not a booming industry. Why? Because the Puritans made it such a hell on earth to live in that everyone left. This is not a good opening to a a Christian sermon, is it? Absolutely it is. Because Christian means follower of Christ, not follower of rules, not follower of man. It is the peaceful teachings of Jesus. It is reading the Bible and seeing what God actually says versus what somebody says that, that made me go, you can't make this up. This is incredible. This speaks right into my life. I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment, but I want you to go to John chapter 3 with me. I'm going to touch on John chapter 3. I'm going to touch on John chapter 4. These sermons, I could do six weeks of sermons on on John 3 and six weeks of sermons on John 4. Okay, I'm going to talk about both of them. I really, really, really want you to go read these for yourself, I believe that God will speak to you. Remember, as you're reading the Bible, you're looking for gold. There's gold in here for me. Most of the gold in these are on the surface. They are right there, a child could read them and say this is what I need to pick up, okay? So let's go to John chapter three. I'm gonna start in verse one. I'm gonna breeze through this, okay? We're gonna paint with a really broad brush. Uh, Okay, so we're going to go quickly. But there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. A ruler of the Jews. This was an extremely religious people with more laws than you could possibly learn. Extremely religious. And he is a leader. He's a ruler of the rulers of a devout religion. Okay, okay. This man came to him at night. Came to who? Came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi. Ooh, man, he called Jesus Rabbi. That doesn't mean anything to you, but that's big. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs unless God were with him. What is his question? Nicodemus is going to come to Jesus at night and he says, Rabbi, we know that that you're sent from God because nobody could do what you do unless you came from God. What do you reply? (laughs) There's no question. He just came to, to come. I got no more. I don't understand what is happening. I've been taught all of these things. I, I have studied the Mishnah. I tithe. Not only do I tithe, but they would take, they would take the, what they grew in their own garden. And even the little mint, the little leaves, they would give 10% of it. He's an extremely devout Jew. But I just got to hear you say something. He just comes with a statement. doesn't even know. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been desperate. And you just go to God and you're like, I don't even know what to ask. I just, want to, I just want to talk to you for a little bit. And if you've never been there, you need to get there, okay? But Nicodemus, this extremely religious person, has seen enough to be convinced that there's something going on that he doesn't understand. And if you are at that point in life where you say there's more to what's going on than what I possibly can understand, you're in a good place, and many people will reject god even though there's so much evidence we could sit and talk apologetics for hours and you will believe i'm not i'm going to say it and and i'm not i'm not saying i'm for or against any of these things i'm just saying with less information with less history with less evidence You are convinced of many things in this world, of some sort of spiritual beings, of some sort of alien life, of some maybe Bigfoot, Yeti, maybe there's this place that is haunted, maybe things happen in threes. I guarantee you 90% of people in here think that things happen in threes. Literally had a woman tell me one time, she's like, listen, I'm not superstitious, but things do happen in threes. I was like, I don't think you know what that word means. I think you are absolutely superstitious. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm not, I, please don't get distracted by that. But our society will believe in all of these supernatural things before they will believe in God. We are our scientists, and again, I don't want to get distracted, but our scientists will believe in the multiverse with no evidence of it before they will believe that a creator could be here despite the testimonies. And I understand not every testimony is valid. I'm not saying anybody's stupid in any of those things. I'm just saying, if you get to the point where you go, all I know is I don't know, what a place to start. Because if we serve a real and a supernatural God, I believe that he will reveal himself to you. Now, Jesus is going to have a conversation. He is not going to make Nicodemus ask him a question. He's just going to begin to teach. Nicodemus, I'm not going to go through it because I don't have time, but he's gonna to talk to Nicodemus about being born again. He's gonna to talk to him about being not just born physically, but also being born spiritually. That is for you. That is gold on the ground for you. That is the ooh, it's so good. In fact, John 3:16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That comes out of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. I need you to see it, okay? He's gonna talk about a snake on the pole. This is the only piece of gold that's under the ground. I'm going to give you this for when you read it, okay? Bronze is judgment. Bronze, the metal, means judgment to a Jewish person. It was in the old temple. Everything outside the temple was made of bronze. Everything inside of the temple is made of gold. You have to pass through the bronze before you get to the gold. You have to go through judgment and reflection before you get into glory, okay? So, in Moses' day, God was mad at the people and he sent snakes to bite them. I'm not making this up. Snakes would bite the people and they would die from it unless they would do this one thing. And Moses had a bronze serpent, snake, set up on a pole and it was lifted up. And when the people were bitten, if they would stare into the bronze snake, they would be healed from their affirmity. And what does that mean? Bronze is judgment. And so they had to look at the judgment of the very thing that bit them and say the reason I was bit is because God is angry with me because I sinned. And so when they look, they have to confess their own sin at which point they're healed from their infirmity. And so Jesus is lifted up like a snake on the pole and when I look at Jesus hanging on the cross until I can look at that cross and say it is my sin that put him there, I will still die from my infirmity. Until I can see that, okay? That's the only gold that's under the ground. I think everything else is pretty much above the ground. I'm just giving you that for when you read it. They're going to talk about belief in the Son of God. They're going to talk about rejecting the light and that darkness runs from light, okay? That is Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Now, if you go to chapter four, these stories are put almost back to back, and I believe it's so that you can compare and contrast the two okay? Most every scholar, in fact, I've never heard a scholar that didn't believe this. There's a reason John put these stories back to back. Nicodemus followed by John chapter four. John chapter four, verse four. Oh, wait. Let me see how much time I have. Nope. John chapter four, verse four. I got to skip, okay? I got to keep going. So Nicodemus uh, is going to have this conversation with Jesus and Jesus is, is just gonna lovingly rip into him like, listen, dude, you're a religious leader. How do you not know these things? End of story. We won't see Nicodemus again until chapter seven at which point he still has not come out as a believer of Jesus. And then after chapter seven, you won't see him until he goes and gets the body of Jesus. So at some point he comes around to believing, but it ain't quick, okay? Here we go. Chapter four, verse four. He, that's Jesus, had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. This doesn't mean a lot to you, but the Samaritans are a despicable people to the Jews. They are traitors to the Jews, the Jews feel like. Uh, they've set up their own temple. They're, they're basically half-breed Jews. And so if you look into the worst part of American history where you know, we, we condemn someone for their, for their race, this is exactly what is going on here, okay? And so the Jews did not like Samaritans, but Jesus walks through Samaria instead of going around it, and he, he talks to a woman of all things, Again, doesn't mean much to you, but wow, does Jesus liberate women. He, Jesus is going to allow women to testify about his resurrection. Nobody else is doing that at this time, okay? So uh, he, Jesus is going to start up a conversation with a woman who he should not be talking to in Samaria where he should not be, all right? This is a very important story. So a conversation's gonna start up and he's gonna ask for water and she is appalled that he would ask for water. And he said, hey, listen, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for living water. And so they talk all about this living water. You need to read it. And then Jesus replies something very unusual to her when she says, hey, give me some of this living water. Listen to what Jesus says in chapter 15. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Verse 16, such a strange reply on the surface. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have answered correctly. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet and then she begins to believe, and then she runs to her village so that she can tell this story. Why? Why does she believe that he's a prophet? Why does she run and tell the story? Why does she put her reputation on the line? I was reading a book the other day uh, by Neil Shinvey called Why Believe, and he tells a really interesting story. You know, a lot of testimonies are not necessarily valid to me. Somebody from every religion, every walk of life, and every, every idea has some sort of testimony. But your testimony is going to be important to you and the people who know you. And let me give you an example of that. If I were playing basketball, or let's just say anyone was playing basketball, a man, a girl, it doesn't matter. The man is playing basketball, and all of a sudden he just falls flat on his back out on the court, and he's just laying there. Some people are angry with him. Get up. You're just faking it because you're losing, right? Somebody else says, man, you just, you just got dehydrated. You got dehydrated, your muscles seized up, let's pull you off, let's get some water down you, you'll be fine. Somebody else says, probably a pinched nerve, let's put some Advil down this dude and, and it'll, it'll relax, you'll be okay, it's just a pinched nerve. But a woman runs off of the sidelines and says, everyone back up, don't touch him, you call 911. And she leans over the man and says, you can't feel your legs and you can't move. Can you? And the man looks up at everybody and says, do what she says. Now what the man knows that everyone else doesn't know because he hasn't said it yet is that he can't move and he can't feel his legs. And the fact that she came in and knew exactly what was wrong with him and spoke exactly to his pain made her the most believable out of all the options. And some of you, during your pain, you open the scripture and he had a life to pour into you. This is our God. That's not a religion. That's something real. That's something supernatural that comes into your life. And you say, I don't know the answer to everything, but here's what I know. I can't feel my legs and I can't move. And he seemed to know what was going on and have a plan for it. I'm going with that plan. Because if he's right and this other dude drags me off pumping me full of Advil, he's going to mess me up for life. You call the ambulance, you, everybody listen to what she says, right? This is what Jesus does in your life. He's going to speak personally because he knows exactly what's wrong with you. He's identified. He's come in and speak personally to you. John chapter 4, verse 28 now. The woman left her water jar. Why? Because he knew exactly what was wrong with her. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, I know. You've had five and now you're sleeping with a dude for rent. (gasps) Not only did he know that, but he's still talking to me. Nobody else does that. The woman left her water jar, went to town, and told people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. Now, in verse 39, it says this. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Nicodemus, the religious ruler, Now he's a good guy in the story. This is not a bad person. Nicodemus is probably a very good man. But it's going to take him so long to follow Jesus because of his religion. He's the one that should be, right? Doesn't he have the most influence? Isn't he the one that could change the most people? Isn't he the one that should carry this story? Isn't he the most believable character? Yet many people will believe because of the woman that should have no influence, because of the woman who is not worthy to listen to, because of the woman of ill repute who people made fun of. And she will be the one to bring many we have no idea how many people Nic- Nicodemus did or did not bring to Christ. We have no idea he's a hero. He overcame something. I don't think I, if I would have been indoctrinated as heavily as Nicodemus, I don't think I ever could have gotten to the point that he did. I'm not bad-mouthing the man. I'm just saying, why did it take him so long? And this woman drops her water jar, runs into town, yelling, you've got to see what I found. She was also a religious woman. When you read the story, you will understand that she she knows a little bit, but she doesn't necessarily know the scripture. She just knows some stuff that people have told her, but she's going to drop all of it for what he did. He has validated himself. He's spoken directly into my life, and I'm going to listen to what he says. I'm going to take his advice. And the last person on earth that anyone should ever believe is going to bring the most people so far to faith in Jesus That's relationship over religion. I'm not speaking against religion. I'm not speaking against following the teaching of Jesus. Jesus, listen, we believe in God as a good father, and as a good father, he will set a line, and he'll say, stay on this side of the line, and if you don't, he will punish you. As your pastor, I have to even talk about those things. I'm not saying that it's, you know, nothing. You anything goes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you get away from love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you have left the pin. You are under somebody else's watch. Because Jesus doesn't live there in those teachings. It should have been Nicodemus, but it wasn't. At least not for a while. Religion without understanding can be a hindrance. Relationship over religion any day. Again, I'm not saying no religion. I'm saying relationship with Jesus. And here's the interesting thing. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he needs something. This woman comes to get water from the well during the heat of the day because she wants to avoid everyone. She needs something, too. She just has no hope for anyone to turn to because everybody has cast her out, minus a dude that might be willing to put her up for a little while if she'll sleep with him. Which one had a need? Both. Both. Just as Moses lifted the serpent up in the pole and the people who were bitten could look at that and be healed from their infirmities, let me ask you, which of you have been bitten? All. God said, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All need salvation. And the sad thing is, some people will never come to salvation because of their religion. So, you're trying to tell me all the Puritans went to hell? No, I'm not saying that. That's way above my pay grade. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they had left the teachings of Jesus and made life hell on earth for thousands of people. Don't let religion become your hindrance. But on the other side, man, just a huge piece of gold, a gold nugget on the ground is it doesn't matter who you are. God will use you. Is he going to use Nicodemus? Yeah. Nicodemus is going to reject it for a little while. We've all got that story. Is he going to use the woman that nobody should believe? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want you to have that story too. So you walk into this place thinking everybody knows everybody and I don't know anybody. Everybody knows the whole Bible and I don't know anything. And pfft, Here's what you need to know. God wants to use you. All you got to do is run and tell the story about when you met Jesus. And if you haven't met Jesus, baby, that's why we are here, okay? I want you to go back and read John chapter 3 and John chapter 4. Okay? In fact, this is what I want you to do. In John chapter 3, I believe it's the first 12, chapter, uh, 12 verses that's going to tell the, uh, most of the story about Nicodemus. Now, he's, he's going to talk a little longer than that. It's, you know, 20 verses, something like that, and the whole story is wound up. I want you to read that. And then after you read it, go back and read it again. Go and read that three times. Man, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Read the same set of verses, this is not much. It's not gonna take five minutes to read. But before you do, God, what do you have for me? And then read it. God, what do you have for me? And read it. What did I miss? And then read it. Look for gold. If you will go, there is something here, and I'm gonna find it. I believe that God will meet with you and God will speak to you this week. There's a reason these stories were put side by side. It's so that you will know, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, okay? Sounds like a Backstreet Boys song. He will use you. You are not too far gone. He will use you. You are not ineligible. He can use you. It doesn't matter what you are. He's making you into something else. It doesn't matter. This is the basic tenets of a faith. I don't care how many people have tried, cried witch and accused you shamed you. Those aren't the teachings of Jesus. Now, don't take me too far. Okay, If somebody is trying to be a friend and call you out on something destructive, please listen to them. But if they're saying you can't be used by God, you're a lost cause, that ain't from the Lord. One sacrifice covers all sin for all time. You can take it or leave it, but the deal is there. I want to pray. This is not going to talk to everybody. Many of you say this, is, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not being, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a super religious person. I don't have a lot of information. I've never done this. And, and, and maybe that part doesn't speak to you. But as the Lord begins to stir in you and move you, and this is why I said it's easier than you think. You want to honor him. And the thing about rules is it's something that I can do, right? Something that I can do to honor the Lord. And so many people who have the loudest past follow more rules. And I'm just giving you this as a warning for your future. As the Lord is lighting you on fire and moving you into something, let it be about Him. Let it be about Him and not something that man creates. I want to pray with you. Lord, I pray that you would be with your people, Lord, that you would just show us, God, that we would have a constant understanding and revelation that no one is too far from you. And no matter our position, you will use us, God. I just pray that you will speak this into uh, your people, into our lives, Father. I pray that you would just move in us and uh, give us wisdom and understanding. God, help us to be a light in the world through the love that you have put into us that shines through us. And I pray that you will give someone in this place courage to go to a neighbor in love this week, Lord, and shine that light. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, I have a friend. And I know that many of you woke up this morning thinking, if energy and compassion could all meet in one body, what would it look like? And I have the answer for you today. And she's coming up on stage right now. Okay. The heater is working a lot better than the little girl that I froze two weeks ago, okay? So... So God has already smiled on you. Um, this is this is Katie and uh, she we've, we've gotten to talk about baptism about what it means. She knows that this doesn't save her. This is her following through with thousands of years of believers saying that I have committed my life to Jesus right? I am, I am his child just like the Israelites going through the Red Sea. everybody who went there, that's I identify you. I see you. You are a follower of the Most High. And so I'm going to ask you in front of your, wow, look how big your family is. I'm going to ask you in front of your, your family and church family, family, thank y'all so much for being here and supporting her today. We love you guys. Um, have you accepted Jesus as both Lord and Savior of your life? I have. Okay. Okay. Will you guys hear that? So I'm going to ask you go ahead and get in. Okay, Jesus was three days and three nights in the grave. As you will be three seconds. I'm not drowning her. Nobody freak out, okay? So it is my honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Good job. Proud of you. Well done. Please stand and worship with us.